It might be any number of years in Narnia while we're having one year at home. The Pevensies explained it all to me, but like a fool, I forgot about it. And now apparently it's been about 70 years, Narnian years, since I was here last. Do you see now? And I come back and find Caspian an old, old man. Then the king was an old friend of yours, said Jill. A horrid thought had struck her. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we're doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Kel. And I'm Chase. Thank you so much for joining us today. Just a reminder that we are going to be talking about the sixth book in the series, The Silver Chair. Uh, But general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up uh, that we will go on to tangents into other stories or just pieces of, you know, culture uh, that we enjoy. We'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way if there's anything too far out there. But today uh, we're going to be discussing chapter three of The Silver Chair, The Sailing of the King, um, which, again, seems like a minimal part of this chapter, which is a minimal part of this book. Is that what happens here? Uh, I mean, the doddering of an of a senile old dwarf yeah. felt like a little bit too on the nose and a little rude of a chapter title, but I feel like a better chapter title would be "Old People Suck." <laughs> this is a uh, man. C.S. Lewis coming in with some hot takes, which I don't remember how old he was when he wrote these books, but he wasn't young. Not a young man. And I mean, also, if you fought, if it you is not one. You it's know. not a fantasy writer move to have old people be depicted as like not great. Like I feel like it's a pretty typical fantasy writer thing to try to like highlight the benefits of age. Sure, but, you know, guess maybe not. Terms, but Chase, on that note, would you like to give us a summary so that our our listeners can understand why old people are just senile and weird? Yeah. Yeah, why why C.S. Lewis hates women and old people in this book. <laughs> mm. <laughs> All right, so Jill and Scrub looked dirty and dingy compared to the splendid surroundings they found themselves in. Uh, they were on a perfect level lawn before a beautiful castle and a ship. At the foot of the gangplank stood an old, old man dressed in regal clothes and re- wearing a crown. The king stood with his hand on the shoulder of some dude, but still an old man, uh, just slightly younger than the king. And then in front of them, in a wheelchair tied to a donkey, was a very old dwarf, also richly dressed and kind of looking like a potato. Jill took in the sights of the royally dressed people, but then was really taken aback when she saw the crowd of fawns and satyrs and centaurs and dwarves and large animals standing on their hind legs. I mean, she could tell just by looking at them that they could talk. She marveled to herself that Scrub had told her was actually true. Then at that moment, Aslan and the signs rushed back to her mind. She had totally forgotten about them in the last half hour. Jill whispered to Eustace that she had seen Aslan and that he had to go talk to someone he knows. Does he see anyone he knows? And It'd be the first person he sees in Narnia. But Eustace just told her, be quiet. He wants to hear what they're saying. They watched the king address the crowd and the dwarf and give some sort of blessing before going up onto the boat. Handkerchiefs was out and they were crying and they didn't hear much of what was actually said. Then Scrub began to talk but was quickly cut off by the appearance of a large white owl. It asked who they were and said 
Eustace said his name is Scrub and her name is Pole, and he asked, where the heck are we? The owl said, you're in Narnia, of course, at the king's castle of Care Paravel. He confirmed that the king is who just got on that boat, and Eustace said Aslan had sent them and Jill filled in that they were sent to find the lost prince, which was news to Eustace. The owl said they'd better go talk to the Lord Regent Trumpkin the Dwarf, and Scrub asked the name of the king. The owl said it was Caspian, and Eustace turned red and didn't say anything. They went to Trumpkin, who couldn't hear very well because old. They went back and forth trying to say the names of the kids, and Trumpkin had to call over an ear trump trumpet, not an ear trumpkin, an ear trumpet, to hear better. As they were getting it, the owl Glimfeather whispered to the children, hey, maybe don't mention the Lost Prince right now. Um, now that Trumpkin could hear, they told him they were sent by Aslan, that they were a son of Adam and daughter of Eve, although their mean school doesn't teach about Adam and Eve, so they don't even know what that means. And then they said his master, the king, would have been glad at their coming, but he was on his way to the Seven Isles. And he said, you guys can just tell me this whole story tomorrow. Uh, first, they should be giving rooms and maybe clean up a bit. You look gross. Uh, they went into the castle, had baths and cleaned up, and finally settled in to talk. Jill remarked just how exciting it all was, since by now she'd forgotten about anything she was supposed to remember. And Scrub was less gleeful, saying it was tough to see King Caspian so old and doddering like that. He told her Narnia has a different time than Earth, and when they get back to Experiment House... It'll be the moment after they left it, but when time passes in England, a lot of years pass in Narnia. So now Caspian is old. Jill realized the king was an old friend of his and told him to stop going on about his age because they'd already messed up the first sign. Jill then told him what Aslan had said about the four signs, and now since they hadn't talked to the old friend, they've already messed it up from the beginning. They argued a bit. But then the castle bells rang for dinner, so they stopped arguing and went and eat instead. Uh, after eating and drinking, a blind poet came out and told the story of Prince Kor, his horse Bree, and Erevis, called The Horse and His Boy, available now in bookstores and a few seasons back on this podcast. They then dragged themselves up to their room, saying how they would sleep so well tonight, and did nothing, Kel. They didn't do anything. Bruh. Bruh. What are we doing here? Nothing. This is, it's just wild, man. Uh, but, you know, whatevs. Uh, this, we talked about this off pod, but man, we thought we were doing so well with this book. We thought, you know, we had avoided the, the filler chapters. C.S. Lewis was getting better. Nope. No. Back, Why would back he do to, that? Back to his would, old live shenanigans. Yeah. Why would he change when he would stay the same? Do you think that's what C.S. Lewis stands for? Not Clive Staples, but Clive Shenanigans Lewis? I feel like that that works. Yeah. Well, Chase, as we, you know, we are, you know, reuniting our two protagonists, if you want to call them that. Uh, they're both looking dingy. Uh, they're, they're not looking great. Uh, but they've, you know, Jill comes upon Eustace or just Scrub. As she, like, can we not yeah. just call him Eustace? I, I've been trying to figure out what is the actual pattern of when he's Scrub and when he's Eustace. Because C.S. Lewis uses them interchangeably in this chapter in yeah. three books so far. And if you're not 
familiar with who Eustace is, which you should be if you listen to the last book, but also like it's a children's book. Changing the names of your main characters back and forth for no reason is not a great way to keep children engaged. Right. And like for most of your series, you've been reliant on the Pevensies. Except for this one. Yeah, this is our first, well, I mean, second, real break from the actual, like, Pevensey clan storyline. Yeah. Like, and, of course, like Star Wars, it all still has to be within the royal family, so it's their cousin, but sure. it's, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, a whole thing, name. but... I like the nicknames. Yeah. If there were characters we didn't know already, I would just say, yeah, go by Scrub and Pole. That's that's sure. a fun cop duo. Yeah. Coming to Disney Plus, you know? Uh it's two kids going on uh they're solving like schoolyard crimes. School solving schoolyard crimes using multiversal technology. Love it. Man. Scrub and pole. I'm for it, honestly. I think we could write a Disney Plus TV show. Like I this mean, this feels like it could be on Disney Channel. Yeah. For sure. But uh, we, we, you know, we come upon, uh, you know, Jill coming up behind uh, Eustace as he is seeing a large gathering. There's an old king uh, and, you know, a giant castle and a big ship. Uh, and make, we got to make sure that, you know, uh, on, the, on the ship, it's a tall ship with a high four castle and a high poop, Chase. Yes, a very high poop. Thought we were done with the poop jokes because Voyage of Dawn Shutter's over. But nope, we got one more. It's really one of the only things we know about this ship. It's got a high poop. Uh, honestly, that's the only thing I really do need to know. Yeah, that tells me everything I want to know about any boat. If it was a low poop, I wouldn't trust it. Yeah, you don't want water to get into your poop. So Yeah, if <laughs> low poop, you're going to splash yourself, you know? Uh, but... Uh, so they, you know, see the boat and they're like, oh, wow, here's this old, old man. That's the first description is just an yeah. old, old man uh, with his old hair and his old body. Uh, but it's like he's, you know, wearing a, you know, he's, he's, he's obviously the king because it says he's got a thin circlet of gold. He's got a beard that falls all the way to his waist. Keep yourself trimmed, Caspian. Good God, man. But he, he's so old and frail. A gust of wind could blow him over and his eyes were watery. Yeah. Like this man, Caspian is really deteriorated. And when I look at a deteriorating old man, do you know what I think he should do? Run for president. (laughs) I was going to say go on a long voyage because nothing says I can handle myself physically and like, I'm an old man who, if a puff of wind could blow him away, yeah, maybe you should definitely go spend time at sea where you know what's not strong, wind. Hey, my grandparents are in their mid-80s and go on cruises all the time. Yeah? That's great. <laughs> are they are like are they manning the ship? They are people on the ship. <laughs> they are men and women on the ship. Uh, in buffets that can yeah. work so we we see caspian struggling uh and then uh not far from him with a <laughs> this is the part that's i i love it 
There's a little chair on wheels uh, harnessed by a donkey that's not much bigger than a golden retriever. And in this chair sat a fat little dwarf. And as we'll realize, this fat little dwarf is Trumpkin, our buddy from a couple books ago. And Trumpkin is not faring much better than Caspian. Yeah, he's uh, he's not looking great. He's bald, and his head is shiny bald. Not just Super he's bald. not just bald. His, At least his he's head is extremely it, you know? large and shown like a gigantic billiard ball in the sunset light. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so we'll I mean we'll come back to to Trumpkin a little later because we're not done with him, uh, and 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 he still is trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, but this is Jill's introduction to Narnia because not only is she seeing the castle and the boat and the king and, you know, what looks like a small man, but she's also seeing all of the mystical, magical creatures of Narnia. She's seeing the fawns and the satyrs and the giants and the dwarves and talking animals and that are all huge. There's mice that are two feet tall. Uh, noticeably, there, there's a space for one. That they just leave empty, I assume. If they don't, then I'm kind of upset by it. But, you know, long live Reaper Cheap. Uh, Shows that, that end. But she she sees all of this, and she this is her, you know, introduction into Narnia. And, and she's, you know, astounded, uh, wondering if everyone's friendly. And uh, But then she's like, oh, man, I totally forgot about all the signs that Aslan told me to not forget about. And so she tells Eustace, hey... We've got to, you know, I, you know, do you see anyone you know? And he's like, yo, keep quiet. I'm trying to listen to the procession. Uh, fair, you know? I mean, yeah, it's always annoying when someone talks through, like, a movie or show that you're trying to watch. But yeah. Maybe if you haven't acknowledged that your friend just shot out of the sky to your side. I mean, to defend Eustace here, she did throw him off the cliff. Yeah, I mean the the word murder comes oh. up a couple times, but I mean I can't exactly like fault him for not being thrilled to see her. Yeah, it's just also been hours, and like he got there like a couple minutes before her. We'll learn later, but like it's been hours that they've been separated in this strange land. They're the only two people that each other know, as far as he's aware so far, and. Instead of being like, oh, good, we both survived, he's like, just shut up. Like, I'm trying to listen. Again. Oh, this is the best part of the podcast. She did throw him off the cliff. And I don't feel yeah. like we can undersell that. <laughs> and and he uses the word murder. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, I'm just, I, I feel like we just need to acknowledge it and, you know. It's going to keep coming up, but he's, uh, you know, annoyed. Someone tries to kill you in Aslan's country. It's done. There's in nowhere else for you to go. <laughs> like, he's just having a tough time. But, uh, you know, he's, he's like, yo, hush, I'm trying to listen. And she's like, no, I've got like, don't you see an old friend? Because if you do, you've got to go speak to him at once. He's really confused. And Jill's like, Aslan, the lion says, you've got to see him. And he's like, oh. Cool. What did he say? So the very first, like, and this is, you, you almost get some like Adam and Eve with the snake vibes of like, not like presenting information correctly that you were given. He said, he said the very first person you saw in Narnia would be an old friend and you'd got to speak to him at once. 
it's not exactly what Aslan said, uh, you know, but it's it's close enough, you know. Yeah. But it feels like if he had listened to her, they would have gotten gotten through the first pillar of their tasks. Maybe, but also, and again, I can't, I don't feel like I can undersell this. She threw him off a cliff. I can imagine it'd be a little difficult to listen to her right now. And he ate a dude as a dragon. (laughs) We all make mistakes. (laughs) Like, you're in Narnia. Get over yourself. Rules don't apply, Eustace. Yeah, you're fine. (laughs) He's fine. (laughs) Do you think Eustace thinks about that often? Where he's just like, every now and then is like, man, I ate that guy. And it was really good. It's dra- granted he was dragon formed, but still. I mean, do you think he shared that with Jill, or, or or that he will? Where he's like, "Listen, I know that life's been hard, but until you've been a dragon and you've ate a dying dragon who actually was a human, it's gonna be okay." And when they get underground later in this book, and that's gonna be the only thing that he remembers is that one dark moment. <laughs> Of being a cannibal. Uh yeah, Q Q Cannibal by uh Kesha uh on on wow. their on their Spotify. It's a throwback. It's a throwback and it's great. Uh but she she's like, hey, you've got to go speak to your old friend. And he's like, there's no one here that I know. There's no one here that I recognize. Let's at least try to hear what they're saying. Uh right. And so the king is talking to the dwarf and, you know, everyone's giving speeches and the king uh, says goodbye to the dwarf and hobbles up the ship. Everyone's crying and, you know, trumpets sound from the poop, which means someone's having a good time or, you know, they or they're, you know, the job's getting done. I don't know. They just had a spicy burrito last night. Could be either. You never know with a, with trumpeting poops. Uh, but uh, the, and the ship, Begins to move away. Ah, the sailing of the king is done. Now, this whole occasion really gives the sense of he's not coming back. Yeah. Like the way they're acting. Yeah. Now, I again, don't read ahead when we're doing these rereads. So I don't remember. Is, is that the plan? Like they're really acting like this is the last time we're going to see the king. Boo hoo, wave handkerchief in air. Like, like really, really acting like this is it. I think it's a recognition I that mean, he's old. Like, right. I think that's the part where it's like, I think it's like most likely I will not return because I'm old and not doing well in health. Yeah. And we I'm going off to, to find go my die son. somewhere else. We want you to die here. Yeah. Don't be a shellfish. Don't leave us with Trumpkin. Yeah. Uh, look at him. All, yeah. All fat and and riding around behind a donkey like a little like a little toddler playing Roman Centurion. Like look at that it, guy. Yeah. But uh we, you know, everyone leaves. Uh, you know, King's gone on the ship. Uh and uh we we come upon an owl, like a giant owl flying up to Eustace and, and Jill and being like, yo, to who, to who? Like, that's an owl, you know? Uh, and he's like, who are you two? And this begins what's got to be a rough stretch for 
for Jill and Eustace because it's just a just an owl and and Trumpkin having a real real crazy time together. Is they're like, hey, we're you know uh, we are here to you know on this task. Um, everyone like I like the owls like I saw y'all fly in here. No one noticed except me. Um, we were in there like we're sent by Aslan. We're here to do these things. We've come to find the lost prince, and he's like, "Oh, bummer! That would have been great if you could have talked to the king, but he just left." Um, but so you could go talk to the king's regent, Trumpkin, and then he's like, "I'd just hey. like to point out this sentence." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of like he says, you should go speak to Trumpkin, and he said, "That's him over there in the donkey carriage." That's all. That's all. But Eustace then asks, hey, what is the king's name? And he says, Caspian the Tin. Dum, dum, dum. What? Caspian was the old king this whole time, Chase? Oh, how could we ever have guessed this? This, I, I, I am shocked. Man dismayed man if only you know we had known that sooner uh but alas we didn't and uh so now the owl is like yo uh to who ahem lord regent uh come here and trumpkin the dwarf walks over and chase this begins the like it's like three or four pages of like Trumpkin being old and not being able to understand this owl. Uh, and it's just the same joke over and over again where he's like, Hey, Honestly exhausting. It's like, it's like, I don't want to read all of it and I kind of want to fast forward, but basically it's just the owl says something and Trumpkin mishears it. And then they just keep going where it's like two strangers, my Lord Rangers. What do you mean? And they're like, that's like that doesn't even make sense. Uh, they're like uh, the girl's called Jill. She's like, what? The girls are they're all killed? I don't believe a word of it. Eustace? No, the, it, useless. I dare say he is. And it's like, golly. Again, the Eustace useless thing is hilarious. But I mean, they're all funny on their own. It's just, there's too many of them. It's like, over and over. They're just doing the who's on first. Who's on first? No, who's on first? Who? Yes. yes. Who is on who's first? on first? Like person on first is- audience, his name is who? Oh. <laughs> oh. But but who is on first, Jason? <laughs> no, that's what I've been saying. Who's on first? Your tattoo says dude. Your tattoo says sweet. That's a dude. Where's my car reference? Another so, great throwback. Another great throwback. Uh, you know, Not both like comedic, the same same era, but both comedic genius. But uh, <laughs> so it's this just over and over and over and over of this like Trumpkin is old and senile joke, uh, just repeated, um, and they. Are you know they try to explain what they're there for, uh, and uh, you know eventually like you know Trumpkin is uh, he he's kind of confused, but he's also like all right, whatever. But 
It's like, if the good king, my poor master, had not this very hour set sail for seven isles, he would have been glad of your coming. It would have been, it would have brought back his youth to him for a moment, for a moment. And now it is high time for supper. Uh, and you'll tell me your full business and counsel tomorrow. Uh, and he's like, hey, Master Glimfeather, which is the owl, you know, go get them bathed, go get them some clothes, get them some sleep, go, you know, get them some food. And also, and he pulls him really close. And he's like, make sure that they take a bath uh, because he's old and doesn't have volume control. Yeah. Also, how dingy can they really be? And like, why are they so dingy? Yeah, like let's let's just take the overview of where they've been so far. They were at school, which yes. I assume moderately be relatively clean. Like, hopefully, they put on deodorant that morning. Like, it's whatever. They're at school. They are on a cliffside. That's all Eustace did. He was at school on a cliffside and then flew through some clouds. Yeah, which you would assume would have washed you. Clouds are clean water. It's just water vapor. Water. And then, I mean, Jill, sure, she cried a bit. If she's wearing, if she's wearing eyeliner, that might run. But I doubt. Hmm. I doubt it. I doubt a ten-year-old or whatever is wearing eyeliner. Yeah, it's like at best, she knelt down to drink out of out of some water with Aslan, but that's not at, at most. I don't see why they're like, Oh, we'll make sure they take a bath because they are very dingy. At most you would imagine like disheveled, you know, maybe some wind blown hair, maybe sure. some like clothes that are like untucked or something like, like I can, I can see that. Like they're caked in mud and that just doesn't line up and stinky. Yeah. Like, they haven't you know, done anything. No, they and they have no reason to. But alas, they're gross. They go, uh, they take a shower, um, they you know, go get some food, uh, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but they they make their way into Care Paravel, uh, and like she, you know, as they're heading in, like C.S. Lewis just throws his, throws in these lines every now and then where they're going into the castle and Jill looks at the at the mountains and the sunset made her long for more adventures and feel sure that this was only the beginning. Wow, that's so so prophetic. I mean, could have honestly ended the chapter there. Would have been great. That's a much better end of the chapter than what comes. Yeah, the only thing of substance that happens in the rest is on the next page where Eustace gets a little bit more information, but not much. Correct. So that's when they they have their first conversation since like having their, you know, their bath and new clothes and all the things. Uh, and like they, you know, don't look like disheveled and dirty anymore. And uh, she like Jill's super excited. And uh, like Eustace is like, man, I'm not like this sucks. And she's like, why? And she's like, well, my old friend, King Caspian, is a doddering old man. Uh, and it's like, it's scary. Uh, and like, she's really confused. And then he explains that time is different in Narnia. And we have to make sure that we explain this in every book, uh, yes. that time moves differently. Kel, you know what Star Wars was missing? Re-explaining the midichlorians every single movie. But what about 
the droid attack on the Wookiees. So what is Palpatine's tax policy? I want to know. Is that would, that was, that would uh, be the Game of Thrones of Star Wars? <laughs> that was a uh, was it uh, was it George Lucas? I think uh, or like George R. R. Martin. I can't remember. It was someone re- like that was like he's like Lord of the Rings is great, but no one ever asked the big questions like what is what's Aragorn's taxing policy once he like once he uh, becomes king and like is everyone excited about it? <laughs> That is the premise of Game of Thrones. That's George R. R. Martin, and that's what led him to write Game okay. of Thrones. That's what I thought, <laughs> but I was like, "What a what a ridiculous like concept!" It but, is. It gave us great stories and shows, but it gave not, us seven seasons of the tax policy. Books. <laughs> Sorry, five books, sixth one for uh, you know maybe. Uh, we we can only hope, but no one's confident. At this point, I don't hope that much. I, I, I mean, look, House of the Dragon on HBO now. To quote Kylo Ren, let the past die. Kill it. Kill the boy. The man <laughs> I, I believe that was Voldemort. I mean, no, that, that was the spare. Kill the spare. I do say that to Courtney a lot. Like anytime, <laughs> like the word spare is mentioned, or like a second, or like we're like, oh, that one's unnecessary. I'll go kill the spare. <laughs> she doesn't like do we have a spare tire? Kill the spare. It comes up more than you think it does, and it's I great. Mean, I can imagine. <laughs> Sounds like a fun. Hey, time. can you spare a second? Kill the spare. Like it's. It's great. It doesn't have to apply. It's just fun. Uh, Kill the boy is uh, grow up and get over it is, is essentially the premise of that scene in Game of Thrones. Indeed. It's, yeah, uh, that one's a uh, yeah, that one's tough. But um, so, you know, Eustace is wrestling with mortality in the you know age of his old friend, his old, old, old friend who's, you know, decrepit and dying and he's explaining all the things and now how like Caspian's an old man and 70 years have passed. Uh, and Jill's like, Oh, so the King was an old friend of yours. Get cue, it? Cue, uh, cue snares and a uh, little drum, uh, drum hat. Uh, and then it's a, a horrid thought had struck her. Now here's the thing. That horrid thought is crap. We missed the first task. Yeah. That is not talked about or explained. That's the only thing in this chapter you get for them missing part one of four. Yeah. She vaguely says a few different times, oh, we've already messed it up. But she's not specific. (laughs) We don't know. And also, what are the consequences of this? Now, the answer is minimal. Because they're still going to get things done. I mean, I think the goal was to make us, us as the reader viewer, be like, oh man, they missed it. They're so distracted by nice meals and warm baths and stately stuff that they've completely missed what they were supposed to do. Which, like, there's a metaphor there for getting distracted by the thing sure. in the world, but, but let's, that's well, let's the book. So. Let's zoom out on this. So their goal, 
right, was get there and then hopefully go talk to Caspian uh, before, like, he leaves on this boat. Now, Caspian's been king for, let's say, 75 years, right? Give or take. Something like. He is an elderly king on his deathbed and then two strangers on going on a boat, but like regardless of the boat, like two strangers get blown in by magic onto this land and you are presuming them to rush through a crowd and go and talk to Caspian and that people are going to be fine with this. Yep. Everyone's always fine when you rush at the most powerful person in the room in your dingy, dingy, dingy clothes. Yeah, and they look terrible, apparently, right? Yeah. They don't look like regal, stately people. They look like disheveled, homeless children, and they're going to rush at the dying king? No. Yeah. Absolutely not. Like, no one is going to be okay with this, right? Like, they they don't make it, right? They would never have made it to Caspian. So my thing is, like, Aslan almost presented a task that he knew would not be accomplished. Where it's like, yeah, if you get this one done, he says, like, if you do this, you will receive help on your journey. So, like, I think that the whole point is like, yeah, you're, you know, you'll be distracted. But also, if you don't get it done, it's not the end of the world because you can still do all the things. In the providence of Aslan, they'll be fine. Mm, yes. But if Aslan is the reason that all things happen and that all things will be, he knows that they're not going to meet Caspian. Well, sure. Aslan sent them on a journey that they couldn't accomplish. Isn't that, isn't that what the call to holiness is? Kinda. But also, this is not that. <laughs> it's, it's, this is where it's like, what? What this this weird, but you know, alas, you know, Aslan speaks clearly, so it's fine. Uh, except when he doesn't, which is most of the time and all the time. Uh, they had high altitudes. High altitudes. Uh, you but know, even then, it's still riddles. Yeah, <laughs> it's at best you're getting parables. You know, at worst, he's gonna slash your back up. <laughs> but Only if you whip someone else. Or if you get, or if you hear that story at dinner, Kel, they They, hear about. They they do hear that story, and we'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, But uh, like (laughs) they, like I love this part because Eustace and and Jill are still talking about Caspian being, you know, old, and he goes uh, like about as good a friend as a chap could have. Chase, they met once for like a week. Uh, maybe, I guess it was more like a month or two. They were on that boat for months and months. That's true. And I forget how much time passed in that boat. They they spent like at least six months together. That's fair. I don't think they were close friends, though. That's no, it wasn't until maybe the end when Caspian begrudgingly appreciated him. Yeah, it was for- definitely not a uh, a close deep friend. Although for Eustace, I mean... Maybe he doesn't have a lot of friends. The only person closer is Reepichi. Man. And he's dead. He's something. Saw him die. We we can't say no one ever saw him alive again. He he passed on, man. Like Reepichi is is, uh, as good as drowned, as as far as we know. 
I mean, uh, that boat got pulled up and over, and then we didn't see it again. Yeah. We could see but, through the other side, but we didn't see that. What if, like, man, the beginning of this book, if you had seen, like, a, like, because you're on Aslan's Mountain, presumably, like, what if you had seen Reaper Chief there? What if at the very end of the final battle, when everyone's appearing in Narnia, spoiler alert, um, you just see, like, a crumpled up little boat and, and like, a sword laying on the beach, and it's unclear what happened. And a mouse bones? <laughs> the bones are buried in the sand, but they're just like kind of slammed up against some rocks, so it doesn't look it's a, good. It's a fun Easter egg for the crowd. Yeah, but you don't but, directly see Reba Cheap so that you can leave it ambiguous. Correct. Yeah, perfect. Uh, <laughs> this is how I would write children's stories. Yeah, it's great. But uh, they're talking about, you know, they're recapping Voyage of the Dawn Treader. They went on this trip, they saw a sea, per- sea serpent, and they went to the Lone Islands, blah, 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 blah. Uh, and then Jill says they messed up uh, the first time. She uses a different word, but we're not going to repeat it on pod because it has different connotations for us uh, than probably what existed in 1954. Um, so we're chilling, uh, but they're like, oh, man, we messed up the first task. And like they but what are the consequences? Don't worry about it. It doesn't really matter. No, but then, like, they have the conversation, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, like we had earlier, where she goes, but like, she goes, but how was I to know? If only you'd listened to me when I tried to tell you, we'd be all right. And then he goes, yes. And if you hadn't played the fool on the edge of that cliff and jolly near murdered me, all right. I said murder, and I'll say it again. <laughs> and so. It's like they were only there for a minute. Like nothing was going to happen, you know? Uh, and like, this is all Jill's fault. It's all Jill's fault. But also, I mean, I think at the end of the day, as much as I want to point out, like, well, you had your chance. They didn't have a chance. No one had a chance, right? Get, they were there for a minute. Yeah. And they, they didn't had know no who harder. that was. They didn't have a way to know who that was. He doesn't look or sound or be like he was 70 years ago the last time he saw him. It's just not not realistic. No. And it's just, it's ridiculous. But they, you know, move on and they decide to, to go into supper. And once again, in the Narnian books, we get the best meal they've ever had and the most beautiful setup they've ever seen. Uh, I don't know how many times they've had the best meal they've ever had, but. Eustace specifically has a ton of the best meals of his life. Yeah. He's had the the feast uh with you know on on with Katmandu uh or you know whatever his name is. I think Ramandu. I think it has an Ramandu, the star. Yeah, uh, on Star Star Lord's Island. On Star Lord's Island. <laughs> he's he's had like, you know, meals on the boat. He's ate that dragon guy. Yeah. Uh and now he gets to eat and care Paravel. Uh, and then they, you know, bring in a blind poet uh, to come and tell the tale of Prince Kor and Erebus and the horse Bree, which is called the horse and his boy. And Chase, I looked it up to make sure the horse and the boy, oh, the horse and his boy comes out after this book in publication order, which means this is this an ad. Lewis 
doing some marketing for his future book. Wow. Because he goes, I haven't time to tell it now, though it is well worth hearing. So he's like, make sure you turn into Barnes and Noble in a year. Wow. <laughs> what I, a move. I'm honestly, I respect that the game. Is the only reason this chapter ends this way. It's, it's the only reason it ends this way. Because it goes, it goes Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe in 50, Prince Caspian 51, Don Treader 52, Silver Chair 53, and then uh, Horse and His Boy 54, Magician's Nephew 55, and then The Last Battle in 56. Man, that's, that's crazy. It's straight that, up. All, that also explains wh- how the last battle gets so off the thread of the rest of the books. Oh like, yeah, characters. it's because he, it's because he jumped three years of writing between he went last or silver chair to horse and his boy to magician's nephew to yeah. uh, last battle to two prequels with very different storytelling styles. He went from main characters being Eustace and Jill to Erevis and Kor and two horses to Diggory and Polly. Polly. I was like, whew, I gotta like dig through my memory bank to Eustace and Sk- to Eustace and Jill again. Yeah, that I mean again, we'll have plenty of comments on the last battle. Yeah, but soon enough. But they, they hear this story, and he's you know basically going like new EP drop in soon. Check it out. Now, is this blind po- poet our boy Clive Staples? There's a. I think there's an argument for that. Uh, you know, I mean that's a tradition within storytelling to write yourself, to yourself a story to but, as a storyteller. Yeah, but is there's already a storyteller telling this story. Yeah, it. I don't know why you got to be blind. I don't. I don't know if this is like supposed to be a reference to like the oracles. I think it's supposed to be like an ancient Greece thing. He's kind of a nerd like that. Yeah, and he does put Greek mythology in his Christian stories a lot. So yeah, although we haven't seen any uh, literal Greek gods in a while. You know, it's been a couple books for sure. But, you know, uh, anything done in service of them is also done in service of Aslan. So Don't worry. There's going to be some plenty of uh, of not Greek mythology, but atheism potentially later in this book. So it's uh, it'll be a fun time. There's fun definitely time. cynicism in this book. Yeah. Very cynical. But it ends well. So it's good. Uh, but they uh, like they're, they're chilling. They've had a long day. And Jill's like, man, I bet we sleep well tonight for a bit of full day, which just shows how little anyone knows what is going to happen to them next. And that's the end, Chase. Boy, does Clive know how to end a chapter. Yep. It's uh... (laughs) here. He is one of the great masters of the English language. Like, how is this dude, the same dude who writes like mere Christianity and the great divorce and the four loves and, you know, beautiful turns of phrase. It's like, bro, you know, like, you're better than this. I think that really is his thing. He's good at a one-liner mixed into a story. He's not as great at actually plotting out a story. Like, the, the beats 
are fine, but the actual pacing and the like form of storytelling, he could use some an editor again. Could use that, but Chase, that's uh, that's all I got for this chapter. Would you like to dive further up and further in? I mean, I guess so. We're uh, <laughs> for all the exciting things that happened in this chapter for all the for all the old people in this chapter. Uh, basically. Uh, we're going to keep our further up and further ends fairly short today. We've still got them, but they're not going to be longer ones. Yeah. Yeah. This one is, uh, I mean, really just wanted to kind of talk about the way that old people are depicted in stories. Um, you've you've kind of got a few a few camps and, and types of old people <laughs> uh, when you deal with, with fiction. You've either got your all-powerful, wise old, old man, your Dumbledores, your Gandalfs, uh, or you've got your naive and harmless, frail old man, your Caspian in this case, or you've got your cranky and cruel, get-off-my-lawn old man, and that's it. There's no other personalities of old men in stories. (laughs) They're either doddering or they're wielding the power of a thousand suns it's uh it's just (laughs) there's no in between and it really it's strikes me because you expect in the fantasy genre in fiction the opportunity to explore the way that age actually brings complexity to a personality and the way someone acts and thinks because time should breed nuance. It often doesn't as we've all met old people before who are not very nuanced, but like, I don't know. It bugs me that we don't give old people credit <laughs> in our stories. And uh, cause I mean, that's the old man's side on the old women's side. You've either got the evil old witch or a woman who, even if she doesn't have magic powers is still the cranky and cruel old lady living by herself with her cats or the sweet and harmless bake you cookies old lady again divorces old people from having personalities or memories or lifetimes of experience to give to the younger people in the story like trumpkin could have could be a wise regent who sends them off with wisdom. Instead, we get a who's on first. What'd you say? Huh? Who killed the girls? And it's, uh, I don't know. I had feelings about it. What what can you say? Not much happened in this chapter. What can you say? Uh, The only thing I got further up and further in is just, uh, just an interesting note on like plays on word in like prophecy or commands often in fiction and in fantasy uh, that you see where a character is given a direction or given a prophecy that they think means one thing, but it turns out that a clever turn of phrase actually makes it mean something else. And this one, obviously we have the play on the word of like, you'll meet an old friend uh, assuming that it's like, oh, it's a friend that I've known for a long time. It turns out it's a friend who is old, right? Uh, that's because... Eustace has not known him very long, only since, uh, you know, maybe a semester previous uh, and only met like like hasn't seen him in all that time. But he is an old 75 to 85 year old. Actually, 
if it's been 70 years in time, he's probably like 90 years old now. Uh, and so he's just an old version of the friend he knew. This is similar to the prophecies and things you'll see in uh, like Macbeth, where, you know, says uh, if you've not read or heard Macbeth, you know, spoiler for that, uh, where it says no, uh, no one born of a woman shall ever kill Macbeth. And Macbeth is like, oh, I'm invulnerable then. And then Macduff comes up and he's like, ha JK, I was, you know, born of a C-section. So I was not actually born of a woman. I was ripped out of her. And it's like, that's semantical. Like, I don't know if that really counts. Uh, or I, I feel like plenty of women who've had C-sections would argue with that statement. <laughs> I would argue with that as the as the husband of a woman who had a C-section. Your uh, baby was definitely still born. <laughs> still, like, he, not stillborn. He was no, born. No, yes, yes. Still, he also was born. <laughs> but, uh, no, he, but it's like, all right, I guess whatever, Macbeth, you know, that counted. And then they're like, oh, yeah, the, the, the great Burnham Wood is going to, like, come against you. Uh, and he's like, the whole forest is going to attack me? And it's like, no, people are going to just camouflage themselves using branches uh, and attack. He's like, okay, I guess. Uh, and then, or, like, you look at, like, the, like, ones that are a little less, you know, like, comes with some quotation marks around them like look at like the the prophecies found in the uh the percy jackson books of going like hey you know you're gonna have to make a choice and uh the that that choice is gonna end his like shall end the hero's days uh and you think it's about percy that because that's what the rest of the prophecy is about but it turns out spoiler alert it's about luke and like the choice that luke will make and you know all of these things and like it's it's plays on words where you think it means one thing, but it actually means something else. And everyone knows that Aslan speaks very clearly when he can present something that means one thing, but he actually is intending to say the opposite. But Chase, I, my hearing isn't so good anymore because I am an aged 28-year-old. Uh, but can you can you help me understand where it is that we can find podcasts? Well, Kel, if you want you to find a podcast, did you say diecast like the, the the old toys? If you want to die on a podcast, mm, yes. Hard <laughs> shot. Uh, if you want to find our podcast, you can find it on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. And while you're there, you can leave us a rating and review. Uh, five stars, please. That helps other people find the podcast. And uh, you can also find us on Instagram at Chronicles, Chronicles of Podcast, where we post when we uh, post new episodes, and you can keep up with us there. Who? What? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Bye. It might be any numbers of your the <laughs> strike uh, that take two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Hem. <laughs> <laughs>